Welcome to the Zero Hour Podcast, sponsored by Beecher Madden, the podcast that gives you the insights, techniques, and tools into top guests from the cybersecurity, governance, forensic, and data world. Welcome to the latest episode of the Zero Hour Podcast and your host today is Carla Refold. We are joined by Ran Pugach. Ran is the Chief Product and Development Officer at Ava Security. Ava is a global technology company with offices in the UK, Norway and the USA. They believe that they can create a better, smarter way to deliver security. They inject intelligence into their approach to security and all their solutions. They help organizations see, understand and act on their surroundings to protect their people, business and reputation in real time. So hope you enjoy. Ran, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thank you for the invite. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about you, where you were born, where you grew up. Um, okay, so my name is Ran Pugac. I was born in Israel, actually, and uh, spent most of my adult life there, but uh, then left when I was uh, 28 years old to... Uh, roam the world pretty much and today I'm based in London. That uh, that sounds like you've lived in a few different places where's your favorite? Um, well Israel is great but I really enjoy living in Singapore as well uh, it's just a fantastic place it's just a bit far out from Europe. So tell us about your career and how you've ended up working with Ava. Um, so I, my career actually started as a commercial career. I, uh, went to France to do a business school, uh, a business school called INSEAD. That's where I spent time in uh, France and Singapore, uh, had an MBA and following that worked for McKinsey in Geneva doing primarily strategic strategy. So, uh, strategy consulting. I've done that for nearly four years and then when I decided to move on from that, I started with uh, commercial roles uh, around pricing. And then I moved to London as well. And since then I've been in London and I started at a company called Tandberg that I haven't heard of yet at the time. It was a video conferencing uh, company. It was then acquired by Cisco. And um, in Tandberg, I met a few people that were then my managers, and today they are the main investors of Ava. Um, so how I kind of ended up uh, being in Ava, I followed them through. This is the third company I work, uh, third company we work together in. Now we hear that a lot when we're looking at companies and startups that the team sort of tend to follow each other and work together. And there's obviously some benefits for that. So what are the benefits that you've seen? Uh, so some of the obvious benefits are that uh, I didn't have to look for a job per se. Um, <laughs> That's a pretty good benefit. <laughs> so that the clear advantage is that I know some of the people. Uh, you know, I've worked with them before. There's a lot of familiarity. Um, and, and as I mentioned, I didn't have to really look for a job or negotiate hard on, on you know, on terms, etc. It's it's a, it's a very smooth migration. 
Now we'll come on to the product and whatever does in a, a minute, but you mentioned there, you know, you coming in to set up the commercial side of things. And I think right. we we see at the moment that that's quite difficult in security. There's a lot of companies um, that are coming into the marketplace. So how have you gone about making sure that Ava stands out? So it is, I, I would uh, emphasize what you said. It's extremely crowded, the security market. I think there are around 1,600 uh, different vendors. And even if you focus on a niche of what we started in, which was uh, inside a threat or user behavior analytics at the time, it's, it's even in that niche, there would be 20 other companies. Um, one thing we tried to do from the outset is not to do too much um, marketing of capabilities that we don't have. We see that there's a lot of noise in the cyber world and a lot of claims out there that some of them are actually unsubstantiated. So we try to focus on things that we can do well. And when you demo them, you see them in action and uh, you know, be true to, to what we say. And we've done that from the very beginning. Even when we didn't have much to say, it was just a visualization tool. Um, today, what we try to do is be much more concrete about what are the benefits to customers. So we're not focusing on features or we have, you know, in the beginning when we were more naive, it was like we have an agent and we use machine learning. Today we talk about the solutions, you know, we protect employees, we, we do, on, you know, training, uh, cyber training for employees, we protect the cyber hygiene. So we're much more concrete about what are the values that the product deliver. So tell us a little bit about the product, because I've got some quite interesting questions, I think, to come through around the product and how it works. But tell us a little bit about what, what it does. Yeah, so uh, the, I'm, I'm focusing on Ava Cyber. I'll just mention that we also have uh, Ava uh, Video, which is a video surveillance solution with similar principles, with uh, machine learning and, uh, and simplicity. Now, what we do with the Ava Cyber, it's an insider threat detection and response tool. So what we're monitoring all the activity on a device, we're using a kernel level agent, so a lightweight agent. Uh, it's the, pretty much the only way to do that. And we are trying to identify a few things. When people hear insider threat, they automatically think about the malicious insider that is trying to steal data and uh, looking for tools to prevent data exfiltration. What we realize, however, is that 80% of the breaches are actually from are unintentional. It's just a mistake, somebody doing something wrong, but not realizing that, that they're jeopardizing or exposing the network. So we put a lot of emphasis on the training aspect of the tool. So if an employee, for example, just to give you a really vivid example, just goes and uh, goes and works from Starbucks, uh, on an insecure network, we will alert that to the employee and try to educate them to at least uh, use a VPN. So it's a different approach from uh, reporting or from blocking. We're trying to change the behavior as it happens. And it's the same whether they upload a file to their private uh, Gmail or do anything they do, which is not necessarily malicious, not necessarily trying to exfiltrate data, just trying to get their job done, but doing it in a risky way we try to identify those things, alert the employee, and train them. Okay, so if you, if you go to Starbucks, it alerts you there and then, so you, you can kind of rethink or yeah. change what you're doing? 
Yes, so I actually had a real incident in my life. I'm using Virgin Media, and it, it turns out that the settings of my router were... Uh, the encryption wasn't secure enough. It was an old encryption. The tool just identified that I'm using an insecure Wi-Fi and to try and fix it. Uh, and, and I was not aware of that. It's not something I could uh, know. Uh, so I fixed it. <laughs> you know, it, it's a very easy thing to fix. But it could be that, um, for example, I'm trying to use a shared file, you know, uh, whether it's a Dropbox or a Google Drive or Microsoft. Uh, now, what the tool will tell me, if there is a company policy, it will bring this policy to life. So the tool will tell me, you're trying to upload to a shared drive, you know, to, a, to a cloud uh, shared uh, drive, but this one is not supported by your company. You can try using this one, for example. So you see that it's not just alerting or saying you, you're doing something bad, we're trying to provide alternatives. Um, and, and that varies by company. So it does create setup, of course. But uh, there are things which don't require setup. Like if you use a USB stick and that's against policy, we can alert you on that as well. And I'll just mention, obviously, we can, of course, prevent and uh, detect and alert on data exfiltration. So the more malicious activities are clearly identified and, and we can actually block them. But I just wanted to... Sh emphasize that our focus is not only that that is the that goes without saying but we added a lot of layers to change employee behavior and we believe that's more much more effective than in class training cyber training so if a company rolls this out what do they what else do they need to have in place for this to work effectively is there anything they need to have process wise uh, not so much it's a cloud uh, our our solution is delivered from the cloud they just have to install agents. And if they have a security, most companies would have a security team. So if they have a security team, that team can watch the tool. Um, if not, uh, we can do it for them. We provide analyst services or our partners, our resellers uh, can provide a SOC. But particularly instant threat is not for immediate uh, things. Um, so they can either do it use the tool themselves, or we can do it for them, or a partner can do it for them. But most of the work, if the tool is properly set, they don't have to do anything. It just trains the employees as they go. And do you think this works well or, or best if it's also accompanied by some sort of security awareness? Yes, I mean, there's no harm. In general, security is, uh, you know, we believe in security in layers. So the more things you can do or catch or prevent or, or change, the better. I'm not saying that we don't need at all security training, but um, instead of refreshing every quarter or every six months, um, what this tool does is it, it just it br brings it to life. It happens as you work. And most people actually don't know cyber very well. You know, if we're talking, uh, one of the examples we have in Sweden is a hospital. So nurses, doctors, their main job is not to know IT and know all the intricacies of uh, cybersecurity. But if uh, they're trying to copy patient records, for example, not, even if it's not malicious, the tool can tell them, look, these, this is a very sensitive uh, kind of information. You might not want to paste it outside of this application that uh, you're using. So, uh, yeah, you need both. So what about those breaches which are a little bit more intentional? Uh, what, what are you seeing as the motives for those? 
So for inside a thread, uh, the typical breaches are uh, either data exfiltration, just stealing data, or uh, in the worst case, uh, sabotage or fraud. Typically, it's because of disgruntled employees, uh, employees that uh, have been passed, you know, they haven't received a, a deserved promotion, or employees that are working, moving to work for a competitor. I wouldn't call it malicious. A lot of people are doing that. Before you move to a competitor, you just, I don't know, download lists of uh, presentation, uh, presentations or lists of contacts that you had. There is a sense of entitlement a bit that if I worked on this, that it belongs to me and not to the company. It's a mistake. Most people, if you tell them that, that they recognize that. But uh, I think there's a lot of gray zone, which is not really somebody trying to steal. It's uh, somebody doing something unintentionally. Um, you know, and the drivers, it could be somebody being upset or somebody resigning or somebody being fired or somebody being skipped a promotion or any other thing that causes a, an employee to be malicious. But the more it's coupled with a sense of entitlement, like this is my data, I wrote this code so it belongs to me, uh, the riskier it is. Do you find that people are a little bit more aware of this now? I feel like 10 years ago, people really did think, you know, that contact list is my contact list. And I feel like now there is at least an awareness that it probably doesn't and people know that they're doing something wrong. Are you seeing the same thing? Yes, uh, particularly as there are more and more lawsuits uh, targeted at people uh, that uh, downloaded a lot of material before moving to their next employer. There's a famous case with uh, Uber. Um, there's a recent famous case with Cisco. Um, so th there are more and more cases like that that reach court and it creates visibility. And more and more employers are much more explicit about if you use our company resources, the computers, the network, um, you cannot do private things or you have to be careful with what you're doing. So there's definitely much more awareness. And we see more awareness to the risk as well. It used to be priority number seven or eight after firewalls and anti-phishing and, and other products and EDR products. It does go up. And I think with COVID, with everybody working from home, there's even more, there are more, even more concerns about what, what are employees doing when they're not on network. Well, I would imagine the, uh, the alerts have been going a little bit crazy over the last six months with people being at home and then, you know, potentially moving and just not being in the office. Uh, yes, there's more, there's, there are more concerns about that. It's not particularly because, again, it's not necessarily because people are doing something bad. It's just because they're not protected with the regular, you know, uh, firewalls or network that they have in the office. Um, they might have other people using their computers, like their kids. Uh, so you don't know what they're doing if, if they do that. So they're much more exposed. And I think the main challenge companies face is not because this happened, is because it happened overnight. So it happened so quickly, so there was not enough time to prepare with the proper VPNs or proper uh, mechanisms in place. And uh, the risk is there. Now, I think the Ava Video product is also really interesting. So can you tell us a little bit about that and how it works? Yes, so it is a VMS, uh, which is a video management system. That's the, those are the typical tools that you have to receive all the streams from the video cameras and manage them and watch them. 
But what we added that is unique is uh, we added analytics or machine learning on all the streams all the time. They're all being analyzed. And we identify people, we identify vehicles, and we, we can count people in vehicles. So it creates a situation where there's awareness all the time to what's happening in the video streams. So we can easily prioritize the most important streams. If you, if you only have, uh, let's say, 16 um, spots on your screen, we can prioritize out of 50 or 100 the ones where there are people or there's movement or activity. These are the most inter interesting ones. On top of that, because we have machine learning, we can identify irregularities in behavior. So if there's an area where people normally don't go there and suddenly you see people there, that can cause an alert. So we can actually trigger alerts. Some of them are out of the box or just based on the machine. Some of them you can uh, specify yourself. If, if somebody crosses a line or opens a door, uh, these are things that exist. So we have a mixture of um, policy-based alerts and machine learning-based alerts. And that helps find, uh, I would say, unique cases as well. And one of the recent examples is somebody dumpster diving. So somebody just jumping into the, into the uh, trash can to look for documents. That's something that we wouldn't be able to pre-configure, but the camera identified that something weird is happening there and created an alert. I think people get quite nervous about this type of technology. Should they mm. be? I think it really depends how it's being used and how it's being set up. Um, I would say that in our case, we don't just use a generic uh, computer says no, uh, which is a mocking of machine learning. It's based on specific use cases, and we're trying to identify specific irregularities that are tied to cyber events. And in this case, I don't think people should be afraid. I think it's uh, the purpose there is to or I would put another angle to it. Uh, we will never replace the operators. So that's not the purpose of the tool. If anything, the purpose of machine learning is to augment or to improve the productivity of the existing uh, operators or SOC operators. So, so there's nothing to be afraid of. And how do you ensure there isn't a level of bias built into something like this? Uh, it's a tricky question. Because the machine can, uh, so when in, in our use case, I don't think there is a bias per se because we identify vehicles and we identify people. We don't do uh, facial recognition. We use facial detection in order to say, okay, this is the same person as that when you do a search. So the rules that we have or the, the mechanism that we have don't use any you know, uh, skin color or appearance or any other things of that sort in order to create alerts. It's just about presence of people, counting of people, people crossing certain lines or people, you know, being in an area where they shouldn't be. So there, sh there shouldn't be any bias with that. But I cannot say as a general state, as a broad statement that machine learning is free from bias. Now, with both products, these are things that are, are quite hard for people to spot without the technology. So is there anything that people can do to become more aware of that? If we're thinking about Ava Cyber, is there anything that companies or managers should be looking out for that can help them spot those disgruntled employees or the people that might be more prone to having a, an accidental breach? 
Um, yeah, so I'll break it to two regarding the, the malicious. Uh, so the malicious, if HR, IT, legal, and security work together, um, they should be able to identify or at least have a list of um, who are the employees of interest, which employees, you know, skip the promotion and, not, and might be angry, or employees that just uh, put on their one month uh, notice, and in that month, they're likely to start downloading more materials. So with cooperation between HR and IT and security and processes in place, uh, onboarding, offboarding, uh, there are a lot of things that can be done without technology to reduce that risk. As for uh, employees, uh, the, the um, accidental mistakes, that's harder to stop. Or cyber hygiene in general, it's very hard to... Uh, to improve that without technology. Now you mentioned, you know, that that cyber hygiene. So, what are you seeing companies mm -hmm. put in place to help improve on on some of that, or maybe some of the basics? Um, so, companies. Most of the focus that we see today, even from our customers, is external. Is how do I prevent a hacker or an external attack or a phishing attack? Uh, or a denial of service attack. So most of the focus today from of uh, defense is from what's on the outside. Don't see a lot of focus on what's inside. There's a lot of, uh, there are some conceptions, you know, we know our employees, we hired them, we work closely with them. They're not going to do something bad uh, to the company. Uh, they're not these kind of people. And uh, it could be true for the malicious, even though the malicious is always a surprise. But for cyber hygiene, um, it's, it's just harder to do. You need to train your employees or have really strict security measures in place. And those security measures can sometimes be prohibit prohibitive or preventive of working. So the more people use cloud tools and uh, you know, external uh, free um, free tools in order to do, to do their job, the harder it is to safeguard what they're doing. Now, is that focus on external versus internal? Is that justified? Do, do the numbers support that, or, or are more breaches actually caused from internal? Um, eventually, what externals want is what your internals have, which is uh, access and privilege. So there is a saying that uh, hackers today, they don't hack, they log in. You know, they steal credentials and then they log in and once they have credentials, they are de facto behaving like internals. They have access, they have privilege. So what you need to be able to do is identify that it's an internal user, but they're weird or, you know, it's not regular behavior. They're accessing files that they shouldn't or having communication with external uh, servers that they shouldn't have. Now, whether this uh, is, you know, it's all true, it's its end. So I cannot say that you should only protect against insiders, but be completely exposed to the outside. You need both uh, defenses. Historically, the external threat was bigger or uh, more, it had more attention. I think the insider threat uh, risk is rising in its uh, uh, attention. And what else do you think we're going to see change within security? What do you think is coming next? Um, one of the clear trends that we see is uh, other connected device, 
So uh, IoT, you have uh, you know air conditioners connected to the to the Wi-Fi today. You you have more and more devices uh, that connect to the network, and those devices are uh, exposing your network as well. So you need to think about that too. Uh, just to give an idea, even our cameras, you know, uh, they do connect to the network. Uh, we now have cloud cameras as well. So there are more and more uh, entry points into the network uh, as we evolve and more devices are connected. So that's a big, a big uh, wave as well. And do you feel that there's enough going on to protect those devices? It seems a little bit mixed to me. Um, it is mixed. There are companies that claim that they do uh, IoT security. Um, I'm uh, honestly less familiar uh, with that field. I think there are solutions out there. That there will be more and more solutions, but it's like uh, uh, you know, it's like a catch-up all the time. That there are constantly more new technologies. They have new vulnerabilities. And then vendors are constantly catching up on finding patches to those vulnerabilities and vendors come up with new solutions to defend against them. It's, uh, I, I don't think this is going away. It just changes in nature. And what about for Ava? What's coming next on the, on the journey for you? So on the journey for us, we started as a, an insider threat uh, solution. But as we evolved, we recognized that actually two things. Uh, we recognize that the malicious insiders behave very much like malware. So they try to cover their tracks and, uh, uh, you know, they, they do, when they do nefarious things, they actually behave a bit like, uh, like an external attacker. So we recognize that we started actually foraging a bit into EDR and we have quite a few uh, EDR policies. Uh, on the other side, um, an insider, what they typically want to do, a, a malicious insider, they typically want to exfiltrate data or steal IP. And in order to prevent that, we started behaving a bit more like a, a DLP solution, data loss uh, prevention solution. And we're definitely double, du doubling down on that direction. So we are evolving to become ideally eventually a a valid DLP solution as well. So we, we have advanced content inspection, and we have blocking capabilities, and we're adding more and more capabilities that will be able to replace uh, eventually a DLP product. So growing out of the niche. And have you taken all your previous teams with you, or are there still some more people we should be looking out for? I know, well, we're constantly growing. Uh, we haven't taken all the teams, no. Uh, for for Jazz Networks, which was the cybersecurity uh, uh, company, there were a hand uh, the sales team as well as the the development team was handpicked uh, for the video solution as well. People with a very deep knowledge of cameras and image quality, and we're you know we keep evolving, so we keep uh, growing. But uh, we hire, of course, a lot from the various industries, so from the video surveillance industry and from the cybersecurity industry. You can't just rely on good people that you know. You need to inject a lot of industry knowledge as well. Uh, so that's happening too. And when people talk about getting into security, and I think this, we're seeing this a lot at the moment, I think they talk about getting into you know, a team with an end user. I don't hear a lot of people talking about coming to work for a vendor 
Um, and I think there's some really good career opportunities with, with vendors for a security career. So would you say the same? Yes, definitely. Um, and, and what you said is true. Most people, when they think that they want to work in cybersecurity, they want to work in a SOC or like for a managed uh, security service provider or a security consulting. Um, there are a lot of opportunities. And as I mentioned, there are like 1,600 vendors out there. So a lot of opportunities for software engineers to got, go into a security. Uh, product security in itself is a is something that we we and other vendors uh, have an emphasis on. So, yeah, there, there are a lot of room for that as well as commercial roles. You know, uh, marketing for the security world is different from other marketing. So you need to know the terms, need to know what's out there. So yes, there are a lot of lot of opportunities in in commercial as well as uh, development roles within vendors. And I think that gives you great knowledge for how you progress your career as well, whether it's you know security understanding as a developer or whether that leads you into consulting or actually into into an end user team. I think there's some really good opportunities that people don't necessarily think about if they're planning forwards. I think I'll sound a bit uh, sarcastic, but I think by mentioning the term security in your CV, you, you raise your salary expectation significantly just by working even close to security or understanding security. No, I don't think that's sarcastic at all. I think that's just, just true. If you look at uh, perhaps yeah, architects, security architects tend to get paid a lot more than solution architects, as an example. Yeah, yeah. it's the same with the security salespeople uh, versus just general salespeople. It's the same with uh, you know, developers, uh, product managers, marketing. It's across the board. Analysts, you know, wherever you look, uh, there is a deep shortage in security knowledge. So it's a great industry to to get into. And would you give any advice to people that might be thinking about coming into the industry? Um, yeah, don't don't be shy. I mean, it, it is complex, right? It's not easy uh, security. It's harder than uh, most things. But I would say just start and see where you find your comfort zone. Um, I started with the commercial, as I mentioned, to give a personal example. I, I did not come from the security world. I did do uh, some training and certifications in order to gain some credibility, but started in the commercial world where it's a bit easier. Um, and now I'm in product. So I'm actually today responsible for developing the security products that we have. And it's uh, it's a very interesting it's a very interesting field. So my recommendation would be just do it. You know, don't be don't wait too much, and find a, an area where you can contribute. Now we end each podcast with ten quick questions. So are um, you are you ready? I know you're a bit nervous about these. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> what turns you on professionally? Um, great people, very, very smart people to work with. That, that has always been my guidance. What turns you off professionally? <laughs> Lazy and incompetent people. <laughs> <laughs> How do you unwind? Uh, I swim. What? It helps me unwind. Oh, sorry, say that again. I said I swim. Uh, that's the kind of a sport that helps me unwind. I think that's a pretty good one. So have you been struggling in 2020? A lot of the pools have been closed. Uh, yes, I have been struggling. 
thing. I haven't, uh, yeah, they just recently closed my swimming pool. Um, I'm trying to find an ocean to swim in, but it, it is a struggle. At the moment, I walk a lot. Yeah, if you're in the UK, I would not be so keen on swimming in the ocean. <laughs> no, not much, no. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to try? Uh, eventually acting or, uh, you won't believe me, but stand-up comedy. What activity gives you the most energy? Um, being with friends, you know, just uh, laughing and eating with friends, having a nice dinner. Who is your biggest inspiration? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, can I skip that one? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll let you skip. If you yeah. had to present a speech right now, what one word would be its subject? Innovation. You are at your best when you're doing what? Um, decision making. <laughs> Now they get, they're about to get a bit tougher. If today was the last day of your life, what one lesson would you impart? Oh my God. Um, spend time with the relatives, spend more time with your relatives. And if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say as the reason he is letting you through the gates? Uh, that I made a lot of people happy through laughter or by making their lives better. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For the latest episodes, please subscribe and for future conversations, reach out on Twitter and LinkedIn.